It's Advent time. And whenever it's Advent time, we get John, as in John the Baptist. It's not ready. We're not ready for Jesus yet. It's not Jesus time yet. It's John time, Advent time. And getting ready doesn't mean busy activities, entertaining, shopping, parties. John's getting ready message is something much more important and more significant for our lives. Something way bigger. Listen to the Gospel of Luke as he introduces us in Advent time to John. I'm reading from chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler in Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trichonitis, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. So it says that John is the son of Zechariah. It says something else about him. He went into all the region around the Galilee and the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then we have those words that echo Uh, The words we heard read already, the words from the prophet Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, every valley shall be filled, every mountain made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John's message to us is about a recalibration of life in preparation for the coming of God. John, son of Zechariah, comes to prepare the way. The coming of God, the advent of God, will bring about a major overhaul of all things. Paths will be made straight, crooked places uh, made smooth, rough places made smooth, valleys filled, mountains made low. This is John's message. He's not talking about earth moving and excavation. He's talking about hearts moving. And lives changing in preparation for the coming of God. So John is this loud voice announcing the coming of God. And he does so with baptism, inviting those who are open to God's coming to gather with him at the river, the river Jordan, to get into the water to be baptized. Baptism is a sign of cleansing, symbolic washing away of the old, the misguided, the inappropriate, wash it all away in preparation for a new life that leads to God, with God, for God. Baptism means dead to the old and 
the reemergence of the new, the ways of God. John's whole purpose then, his whole reason for being is to announce the coming of God and the great cleanup that is needed from all of us as we prepare. John quotes the prophet Isaiah, prepare the way. These words have been spoken over and over through the centuries. Make straight the paths. Every valley will be lifted and the rough places made smooth. John, son of Zechariah, is known as an apocalyptic eschatologist. Stay with me for just a minute. He's known as an apocalyptic eschatologist. So John has had a revelation, a vision, a sense from God. That's an apocalypse. A revelation, a sighting, a sense that God is speaking to him. And that vision, that sense, that sighting is about last things. The eschaton, the end of everything. And it, so eschaton means last things. Apocalyptic means vision. So he's had uh, this vision of last things. We call him an apocalyptic eschatologist. And we can see from this text... John's message is set in a very, very big context. Luke wants to be very clear. It's the 15th year when the emperor Tiberius ruled, when Pontius Pilate was governor of this region, and he names a bunch of other region leaders. And then he says when Annas and Caiaphas were the religious leaders. So this little region of the world that he's in and talking about around the Jordan and the sea, is meant to be a microcosm of the whole larger world. What's happening with John, this unknown prophet, son of Zechariah, applies to the whole world. Everything is pertinent here. There's going to be a crashing of Teutonic plates, so to speak. So basically, there are always two Teutonic plates at work in the world. There's the power of Caesar, carried out by governors and rulers and other leaders. And then there's the power of God. And what John is saying is, these are coming into a crashing new happening. In these verses, and this is going to be echoed later in other places in the Gospels, those who rule the world, Those who think they have the power. Those who are the backdrop of all of our lives. Well, they will soon be encountering the true power. God and God's plans. In fact, the coming of God into the world. The Teutonic plates are going to shift and crash. And life is going to be recalibrated. John announces that this is happening. Prepare the way, John says. John proclaims a baptism of repentance because the new ways of God will emerge soon. Get ready. Watch. The rough places are going to be made smooth and everyone will see the salvation of God. So we are still preparing for the coming of God. We're still watching for the coming of God. Here's another way to digest this passage. In the second year of the presidency of Donald Trump, 
when there was big division in the government led by Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, when Bob Mueller's investigations were going on, when Pope was, the, what Francis was the Pope, when Jerry Falwell Jr. and Joel Olstein were famous religious leaders, and then in the seventh year of this Syrian war, and just a month after the shootings at the Tree of Life Synagogue, and a few weeks after the people who've been in this long migration are finally at the United States border, the people heard again about the coming of God. Prepare the way of the Lord. God comes. God lifts up the valleys and brings mountains low. We are to turn away from our crazy ways and find life with God and life for God. Or it may be like this. In the 173rd year of Second Presbyterian Church in downtown Richmond, when Mayor LaVar Stoney was running City Hall, when we're still trying to figure out the issues of gun violence and racism and the great economic disparities in the metro region. Prepare the way of the Lord. In the situations of your life, with the things you're dealing with, with maybe your parents, or your children, or some loved one, or some haunting circumstance. Prepare the way of the Lord. God comes to make straight the crooked places. God comes to fill the valleys. God comes so that we can see the salvation of God. What must we do to make ready? Whenever, whatever, it's not going to be painless. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be without challenge and loss. Transformation, the coming of God, requires change. And change entails discomfort and uncertainty. That's the truth we must reckon with this Advent. Heeding John's call means relinquishing maybe. Relinquishing our contentment. Relinquishing our apathy and getting to work, maybe. Relinquishing our ambivalence. Relinquishing our security. Relinquishing our fears. Whatever. And submitting. Submitting again to the coming to the reformation, to the transformation of God. The message is really important. John announces that all people who seem to be in power, all the circumstances that seem to dictate life, all that gets and keeps our attention, well, that's going to change. Crashing, shifting. God comes and God, God's coming changes everything. The power shifts because God 
is ultimately in charge and we're to live as God's people. So prepare the way and make changes. And remember, God comes to make things right, righteous. We talked about that last week. Prepare the way, make changes. God comes and, and what such changes look like will differ from person to person and congregation to congregation and community to community, but it will inevitably include turning and pruning and reevaluating and recommitting everything in light of God's. John's message is super important. The ways of God are suspicious of those in power because those in power usually don't care about the less fortunate. Those in power usually care about power and maintaining influence, and that's not really God's ways. The powers of the world, the emperors, the presidents may seem like the backdrop of our lives. The institutions, their leaders may think they determine how life goes in the region, but John and his role and his message come to announce that there's a new truth out there. God comes, and God is the one who reigns, and God's reign inclines toward the powerless, and God's reign is always about binding up the broken, comforting the wounded, caring for the sick, welcoming the stranger. God is not interested in building alliances for power. God's not interested in building walls for security or putting people down in order that other people can be lifted up. No, God's ways almost always crash with the world. So John is crucial, and he's in every single gospel. He's the prophet who opens the way for God's coming. John sets the stage for Jesus. Prepare the way. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. John wants to wake us up and get us watching and get us working and preparing for God. Then if you know a little bit more about this story, you know that Jesus comes right on the scene right after John. In fact, Jesus even approaches John and asks, along with so many others, to be baptized. John baptizes lots of people. And John baptizes Jesus. But then Herod, who rules the region seems to have the most power in the region, Herod asked about John. Who is this guy, John? He's causing a little bit of trouble. And Herod then has him arrested. And Herod has him beheaded. John drops off the scene. It's the ministry and it's the message of Jesus that continued through the Gospels and continues today. The message, the ministry of Jesus is what keeps going. John said, picking up on Isaiah, prepare the way. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus comes on the scene following John and says, the kingdom of God is here. Not near. Here. And Jesus invites us to join him in promoting the coming of God's reign. Follow me, 
he says. The kingdom of God is here. He says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love your enemies. He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He says, forgive. Seven times 70. He says, don't hoard. Give. Don't fight. Turn the other cheek. It's not about violence. It's not about power. But about love and about service. Don't hold grudges. Grace. Don't be selfish. Be sacrificial. Don't put others down. Build them up. If John was an apocalyptic eschatologist, one who had a revelation about the end of the world and invited all to repent and be baptized, he did that. Jesus, Jesus is a collaborative eschatologist. Jesus announces that the reign of God is here and then calls us to work together collaboratively work together to bring its fullness. The reign of God is here, Jesus says, in His person, in His work, in the work that He calls us to do, in His teachings, in His actions, in the way we live into those teachings and actions, in forgiveness, in healing, in love, in light. And we're to recalibrate our lives to align with the ways of God following Jesus. So together... We collaborate for God's reign. It's the collaborative effort. God and God's people together. The great Desmond Tutu put it like this. We've been waiting for God for so long. God has been waiting for us for so long. We cannot do it on our own, you know, Bring about the reign of God. Bring about peace and wholeness and hope and forgiveness and light and joy and justice everywhere. We can't do it without God. And God will not do it without us. It, ha- it is and it has been always collaborative. God and God's people together for the kingdom of God, for the reign of God in fullness. My father was a Presbyterian minister. This, is, this was his stole when he was a Presbyterian exec. I wear it uh, thinking always about him and I treasure his ministry and his life and his importance in my life. He died about 10 years ago. Among his many papers, and he had many, like boxes of sermons, and guess who had to go through them? Among his many papers, many things... The most cherished piece of paper was a small little envelope with a very dear note. The letter came when my father was pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Auburn, Alabama. And among his pastoral duties, he was working hard against racism that was all around the community and especially working hard against racism for the integration of Auburn University. 
the cherished letter that came to my father came from Robert F. Kennedy, who was at that time the attorney, attorney general of the United States serving alongside his brother, John Kennedy, the president. The note is personal. The note is brief, thanking my father for his sacrifices and his devotion in the important and the embattled challenges against racism. In another place, this is what Robert F. Kennedy says. And I quote, Some believe there is nothing one man or one woman can do against the numerous, the enormous array of the world's ills. Yet many of the world's great movements of thought and action have flowed from the work of a single person. It is from numberless, diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped. Each time a person stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he or she sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. John the Baptist comes on the scene and announces God's coming. He says, prepare the way. Jesus comes on the scene and says, follow me. We're called to do both. And we keep preparing for God. We keep preparing for God as we collaborate with God in the small and the daily acts of love and kindness and care and courage and compassion that move us all and move the whole world toward the promised coming reign of God. May God keep leading us and inspiring us in preparing and in following. And then, as the prophet says, we shall see the salvation of God. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we open our hearts to you. We seek to prepare We seek to align our lives for your coming reign. We believe, O God, help our unbelief and keep guiding us always toward Christ our Lord. Amen.